In the name of the Father and of the Son, and and I'll try that again. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Forgive me, my wife is sick, and I was up with a little baby who did not feel like sleeping last night. Uh, So, do my best to get my wits together. Uh, in, In order to draw us closer to Himself, the irony of the Gospel is that Jesus first pushes us away. And so, if we want to be loyal to our loved ones, then we should do the same. In order to be closer to them in Christ, we should push them away. Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? This is the question that John the Baptist's disciples take to them, take to Jesus in our Gospel text for today, at their teacher's request. And so this has led to a lot of theological disputes and speculation throughout the centuries and the millennia, is who precisely is actually the one needing an answer to this question. Is John the Baptist asking, because as he's languishing in prison, he's thinking about how the prophet Isaiah has promised that Jesus would, that the Messiah would set the captives free, and yet there John still is. So is John himself doubting? Is he beginning to doubt that the one he identified as the Son of God is indeed that, that the Lamb of God is actually Christ. Is perhaps John simply dealing with despair and sorrow and he's crying out for comfort? And so he's asking Jesus this question in the same way that a husband who worries that his wife uh, no longer loves him, who doesn't acting like she loves him, asks her, do you love me, even though he knows the answer. Or is John asking this question because his disciples are the ones who are offended, as Jesus will later use that term in our text for today, are that they're the ones, are they the ones who are offended because Christ hasn't been springing to action and freeing John from this prison of Herod's making? Are they the ones who actually need the answer? Well, in the end, I suppose we don't quite know, and there are good arguments on both sides. But what ultimately matters, I think, is the fact that John takes these disciples that are his own and sends them to Christ. In this moment of hardship and despair and sorrow and suffering, when John is surrounded by people who want to be loyal to him, he tells them, go away, pushes them away, and sends them to Christ with this question in order that they might find comfort from his response. So in the end, whether or not John is doubting or wavering or in need of comfort, or whether it's his disciples, John the Baptist remains who he is, the voice crying in the wilderness, pointing those who need to hear the gospel to Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Lamb of God. This is something that all Christians should do in our lives. In moments of hardship and sorrow and despair, we oftentimes find ourselves surrounded by people who want to support us. And yet the greatest way as Christians that we can support them is in a sense to push them away. Push them away from us and to push them to Christ. This is something that we oftentimes do well. Parents do this well when it comes to the fear of their children. Right, so their children experience the same fears that parents are going through. They see their fathers lose their jobs. 
They see hardship come upon their families, worries and fears, financial concerns, all of these things. And those children go to their parents and they say, is everything going to be okay? And what do parents do? Well, faithful Christian parents who are riddled with fear don't look at their kids and say, yeah, I don't know, guys, we might lose the house. This, is not gonna, this might not go well. But rather they look at their children and they say, go away from me and go to Jesus. Take your fears to him. They teach their children to pray, to trust in the promises of Christ, the one who will give them their daily bread, but the one who has promised even more so, or with an even greater promise, to give them the bread of life. You see this in, in situations of death and grief all the time, where your loved ones die, and oftentimes, especially nowadays in the kind of the world that we have for older parents, right, you have your loved ones die, you have your parents die, your spouses die, and your kids are, have drifted from the church. And parents oftentimes do a wonderful job pushing them away, pushing their children away from them and into the arms of Christ in that moment. So they want to surround you and support you with their loyalty and their kindness and their affections, and you're the one who ultimately says to them, we trust in the promise of the resurrection. That's where we go have our hope. We, don't necessarily, we can enjoy the happy memories that we have, but those memories can't give us the promise of eternal life. Only Jesus can. So sometimes this is a thing that we do well. We encourage those who need comfort to find it in the arms of the one who's come to give it to them, in the arms of Christ, rather than in our arms. We encourage them to go find comfort amidst the arms of the one who will heal our broken and doubting hearts. But other times, we're not so great at this. When those who love us come to us with anger and fear in their hearts towards God and towards our neighbor, we don't always push them away from us and towards Christ. Rather, we grab that rope of anger that they've made from their sins and we use it to pull them closer. This is especially the case when we, like John the Baptist, but obviously in smaller ways, are facing persecution of our own. This happens often when we experience and we endure our own little King Herods who have imprisoned us in whatever way they can. And, want our, and when they, as our disciples, want to be loyal to us. It's a strange thing, I'm sure you've experienced this in life, when people sin against you, it's not always that hard to forgive them. When people are cruel to you, when they lie about you and slander you, it's not always that difficult to summon the strength to forgive them. The people it's often the hardest to forgive are those who sin against your loved ones. Parents despise the kids who have lied about and beaten up their own children far more than they despise the people who have lied about them and beat them up in their youth. Suddenly, in those moments when our loved ones are the ones being attacked, that's when we find that Christ's command to forgive is infinitely harder. Being loyal friends, being disciples, as it were, is kind of funny that way. So when someone has wronged us and the people we love want to defend and support us, what do they do? Well, they erupt in anger towards those who have hurt us and they start tearing apart 
their reputations, showing us how much they hate that person and despising that person, slandering that person to anyone who will listen. And in that moment, in that moment when people are trying to be loyal to us by essentially handing us the corpses of those who have sinned against us, what should we do? Well, we should do what John the Baptist did. We should ultimately look at them and say, I know this is not the way that you wanted things to go. But let go of your anger. Let go of your misplaced desire to be faithful to me in this way. And turn to Christ. Go run into the arms of the one who's the only person who can make peace. We should tell them, I can't have peace with this person through your hatred. That won't yield the result that should ultimately be the thing that we want. But instead of making a good confession, we egg them on in their anger. We thank them for their fiery words of judgment. We proclaim them to be good and loyal friends because they ran to our aid and ran away from Christ in the process. We bathe in their support and their loyalty that comes at the expense of their souls. In all of this, we pull them towards us and we keep them away from Jesus. Repent. Repent of letting your loved ones make an idol of you. Repent of wanting their support more than their salvation. Repent of your selfishness, your pride, and your arrogance. Turn from those sins. Ask God to pour out his mercy on you instead of his judgment. And he will, just as he already has in the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Go and tell John what you see and hear, Jesus says in our gospel text for today. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. In other words, Jesus here is saying to both John the Baptist and his disciples, Yes, I am the one John prophesied me to be. I am the one who has come to heal the sick and cast out demons. And yes, I am the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and thus sets the captives free. So don't doubt. Don't worry. Don't be afraid to leave behind the one you think you need to be loyal to with your confusion and your despair. Instead, run to me. In particular, with these words about not being offended by him, Jesus is showing us how to live the Christian life, just as he's showing that to John's disciples. He's ultimately saying John's a prophet, and the world was always going to treat him the way that prophets are dealt with by the world. The prophets know that they are not of this, or the, the world knows that these prophets are not, that they don't belong to them. And so they seek to cast them out, to seize this world, to rip this world away from the message of salvation that they've come to bring. But I've come to bring something far greater than a temporary salvation that knocks down the walls of earthly prisons. 
I've come to set the captives free from their sin, to give eternal life to all who have been oppressed throughout this world, to rob Herod, but even more so to rob Satan of his power. So follow me. Keep your eyes on that promise. That's how you can be loyal to John. This is who Jesus is. He's the one sent by the Father to take away your pride, your arrogance, and your cowardice in his dying breath. He's God in the flesh, come to take away your sin, your corruption, and to give you his perfect, holy, spotless life. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is the one who took your place amidst the condemnation and the sorrow. He's the one who breathed his last at Calvary in order to keep you pushed away from this condemnation and sorrow. You see, even though Jesus has drawn us to himself, even though Jesus has called us to follow him and to come near him, One of the beautiful ironies of the gospel is that Jesus accomplished this by pushing us away. He didn't push us away from his salvation, of course. Rather, he pushed us away from the condemnation that we had earned, but that he was now receiving. At the cross, Jesus pushed us out of the way as the heat of God's judgment burned solely upon him. He pushed us out of the way of the nails and the thorns so that he could fulfill the scriptures and be our sacrifice. He was the lamb devoured in our place who pushed us out of, I love this phrase from our Old Testament reading today, pushed us out of the haunt of jackals, the place where we would have been devoured and where he was devoured in our place at the cross Jesus pushed us out of the way of Abraham's knife so that we could be Isaac and he could be the ram caught in the thicket, the innocent one who died in the place of those who were condemned. Jesus pushed us out of the way so that he could be the Passover lamb and in doing so, that we would be nowhere near the wrath and anger of God as it was poured out upon him, but as that wrath of God passed us by, passed us over, never to return. So because Jesus pushed us away at the cross, he has drawn us to himself, wrapped us in his righteousness, covered us in his eternal life. Because Jesus pushed us out of the way at Calvary, he has now gathered us into his holy presence. Our Lord pushed us off of Mount Calvary so that he could draw us near to himself at Mount Zion, the Lord's holy mountain. Because Jesus pushed pushed us away from his condemnation at the cross, he has drawn us into himself and made us one with his salvation kept us at a safe distance while his hands and feet were pierced to a tree. And so now he has picked us up and placed us into the hands of our Father in heaven who will never put us down, never push us away, 
never reject us, but who will, all, who will always embrace us, claim us, and who will bless us to dwell with all his children for eternity. So in the end, when John put the Baptist pushed his disciples away, he wasn't really pushing them away. He brought them closer to himself by pushing them to Jesus, the one who would give them the right to live with him forever. And it's exactly the same thing with us. When, pe when we push people away from ourselves as we push them to Christ, and when they believe, they become even closer to us, developing a bond that will last forever, even as every other bond of this earth has faded. When we make Christ's love for our neighbor more important than our neighbor's love for us, we make the greatest confession we can of who Christ is and why his love matters. May God give us the strength to make this good confession of faith. And may God draw unto himself all those still offering their loyalty to someone else. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.